This is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series, Integrity Matters, Assessing the Corporate Compliance Climate in 2021, brought to you and sponsored by K2 Integrity. In this five-part exploration, I'm joined by Nazana Gabauer, who is an Executive Managing Director and Head of Investigations and Risk Advisory Practice for the Americas. She advises leaders in business, finance, and government on risk management, investigations, and compliance, and is recognized for her experience in anti-corruption and investigative matters in Latin America, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, and Asia, across every business sector. And Bob Brenner, who is the global co-managing partner and chief legal officer at K2 Integrity. He has more than 25 years experience in advising government and private sector clients as a monitor, investigator, and as consultant. Bob has been appointed and currently serves as a monitor or independent consultant on behalf of federal, state, and local government agencies, as well as international regulatory bodies. Bob and his team have also designed and implemented changes to clients' Compliance procedures, risk assessment procedures, and processes, training protocols, and technology to close loopholes and provide both robust monitoring of future transactions and conduct. Over this five-part series, we will assess the landscape resulting from the pandemic regarding compliance. We will consider what companies can expect from the new administration and its priorities. We'll consider anti-bribery and anti-corruption compliance and enforcement in 2021. We'll look at global trends impacting risk and compliance in 2021. And we will conclude with preparing your company for what is next. In part one, I visit with Nizana Gabauer on assessing the landscape resulting from the 2020 and ongoing pandemic. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to a special five-part podcast series, Assessing the Corporate Climate in 2021, a special podcast uh, sponsored by K2 Integrity. Uh, in this episode one, I'm joined by Schneezana Gabauer, uh, and we're going to talk about assessing the landscape resulting from the pandemic. So first of all, Schneezana, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks for having me, Tom. So one of uh, the largest things to impact compliance in 2021, and indeed literally across the globe, was the pandemic, uh, the economic stimulus around the pandemic and relief funding. I wanted to start with asking you, what do you foresee for entities who accepted or even processed these funds? Sure. Um, so uh- the, the rapid speed um, at which the, the the massive federal and and, and state stimulus packages uh, were were released um, last year created obviously ample opportunities for fraud. Um, the 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 main um, relief programs that were administered by the Small Business Administration, um, namely the the PPP um, and the, the the Paycheck Protection Program and um, EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loans Program, um, received a lot less scrutiny than typical SBA loans would during normal um, non-emergency times. And uh, only through through the PPP program alone. Massive funds of over $500 billion were, were distributed in a very short time frame. And as expected, both programs were tainted by, by numerous examples of, of fraud. 
um, early early on in the summer, we learned um, from from various reports that um, over at least a billion dollars of relief funds from uh, from either program um, had likely been um, been been misappropriated. And so the government has embarked on a pursuit of of this misconduct uh, related to the distribution of relief funds, and is likely to continue to do to do so even more aggressively. Um, so far, they've been focused on um, on on three key categories. One being um, those who re received relief funds for legitimate purposes, but instead used the loans to purchase uh, splashy luxury items for themselves. Um, the second group would be um, coordinated um, criminal groups who stole large sums of money from the programs. And the third group are the gatekeepers for the stimulus funds, um, the banks who were, were asked to facilitate the, the distribution. Banks have been scrutinized and will continue to be, to be scrutinized. And they have, at least the larger financial institutions have done a re relatively good job of self-regulating. Um, I think we, we heard reports um, late last year that both um, Wells Fargo and, and JP Morgan had, um, had um, identified uh, fraud related to, the, to, to both of these programs, the IDL and, and the PPP, and had um, made um, terminations of, of their own employees who they identified had abused uh, the programs. So all in all, um, there's been a, a, a substantial um, uh, prosecution of um, of uh, of fraud related to the to the pandemic um, relief funds and and this will continue. Um, we expect to um, to see a significant uptick. Um, specifically, I think there were reports that the FBI had um, already opened several hundred investigations, and so with a change of the administration, um, we ex we accept that this would only intensify. Um, and it would stay there for a while um, if, if the Special Inspector General for Pandemic Recovery that was established in response to the allegation of uh, pandemic relief funds fraud uh, is anything, is modeled any, anything by, um, as, as, the, as, the, as the similar TARP program that we have, um, it would last for a while um, and for, for, for many years to come. So, um, so all that to answer your question, um, what should businesses do um, that have received relief funding to avoid being subject of a CARES Act investigation? Um, one, I would say commission an internal audit to document how loan proceeds um, or other benefits were used. And then companies should really take special care to comply closely with the accompanying regulations for, for each of those loans. And then two, if it does appear that CARES Act funds were, were used in, in an authorized manner, then it is critical to self-report um, this unauthorized use of, um, of program benefits um, by, um, and further to, to establish compliance and to repay any, any benefits before the company is potentially notified of, of an investigation by the authorities. I'm very interested in your last remarks because you've listed three of the four requirements of a uh, under the Department of Justice's corporate enforcement policy, and the remediation would be the fourth step. But you seem to indicate that uh, a company could at least apply under that corporate enforcement policy if they engaged in the steps you've taken. Uh, would that be a fair assessment? Yes, that would be a fair assessment. The uh, the gatekeepers you mentioned those um, we're now uh, recording this in early January or mid January 
2021. Mm -hmm. And we've had now significant experience with uh, the funding mechanisms. And we're now sort of in rounds. I don't know if this is two or three or something, but have the gatekeepers, in your opinion, had an opportunity to set up the right policies and procedures to not only vet the potential candidates, but uh, protect themselves as well? They, they, I would say at varying degrees, Tom, um, I think some of the, you know, some of the leading institutions, financial institutions have, um, have expected at the, from the outset that they might have similar outcomes. Um, and they have, um, in our experience, they have consistently worked on improving the frameworks and those that didn't, um, have all taken steps to varying degrees um, to to be um, as much as possible in compliance and as much as possible to self-police, self-regulate, self-detect. You mentioned uh, in your opening remarks a couple of examples of um, fraud in receipt of the funds, perhaps an individual or a small business who might spend the money on luxury items, criminal uh, enterprises or groups of criminals uh, defrauding the government. Uh, I was wondering if there are any examples you could give us. Um, yes, yeah, sure. I think one of the uh, most, um, uh, one of the largest, I think, um, frauds that was prosecuted was um, was in the, in, it's actually in the state of Ohio, um, where um, I think that a group of, um, a group has attempted to um, apply for, for loans of over $36 million um, with making false representations. And, um, and they were able to obtain um, not all of it, but a, a large portion of, of that money. Um, clearly, you know, there's a, there's criminal prosecution at the moment. I think there are other examples where um, small business loans were, were obtained uh, instead of being used for, for, for payroll Obviously, they were they were used for uh, luxurious vacations. Um, in some instances, cars, expensive cars, were were acquired, um, and and so forth. So, I think you know there there's there's obviously a wide range um, of examples of of how the funds were abused. Um, but but the prosecution comes down to two main areas. One is um, uh, um, fraud related to uh, making representations to obtain the loans, and then the second one is the the actual use of the of the received funds. You mentioned the uh, continued activity as as we record this before the uh, inauguration. So uh, perhaps under the Biden administration, we'll continue, and certainly there will be investigations and prosecutions for this latest round of funding. But do you see? enforcement activity being guided by the uh, aftermath of COVID into the rest of 2021 and even beyond? Um, absolutely. Um, the um, uh, the uh, COVID recession, I think, um, is, a, is, a, is a perfect storm of, uh, of misfortune. Um, and as any economic downturn, it has created um, a lot of um, incentives for fraud. So, you know, in addition to the fraud that we that I talked about earlier, um, related specifically to the use of and abuse of, of relief funds, um, the pandemic has brought about an economic uh, recession. And the recession, like any other recession, has, um, has um, uh, instigated a lot of other opportunities for fraud. 
um, that, you know, specifically um, it's, it's impacted um, a number of industries, um, created a very volatile environment. Um, and, um, and, and as a result of that, um, there's, you know, there's valuation fraud, there is financial statement and accounting fraud uh, that we've seen uh, insider trading has been, has been on the rise as well as, as cyber fraud. And so um, when we talk about, you know, enforcement um, and increased enforcement, we're not only going to see, um, I think, with the change of the administration um, and the current outlook, uh, a shift towards um, a, a focus on, on prosecuting um, um, fraud relating to the pandemic, but also these other types of fraud, um, not only from DOJ, SEC, but for um, from 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 other law enforcement agency as well. So um, as we saw after the, the the crisis of 2001 and and the 2008 crisis, there was an uptick uh, in the prosecution of corruption cases or financial fraud cases. We're going to see similar spikes um, in, um, in in 2021 and, and, and beyond. You mentioned uh, prosecutions or at least investigations uh, in different areas of fraud. For public companies, that would involve probably the Securities and Exchange Commissions. At the highest level, what do you see some of the key trends to watch for regarding the SEC? Yeah, so um, with respect to the, East, for, for respect to the SEC, um, I think we're going to see Increased, increased scrutiny um, on um, the dissemination of, um, of material non-public information and insider trading violations. Um, I think also um, we have seen that the SEC has emphasized a focus on the, um, uh, on the, the accuracy of, of ESG disclosures um, and compliance policies. And, um, and I think this is going to become a, a fairly prominent um, subject of, of enforcement investigation um, in, under the new administration. Um, I think we're very likely to see increased number of investigations um, under the FCPA. Uh, while, you know, while there's been a, a, a substantial, I guess, FCPA activity and settlements um, over the past four years, the number of FCPA cases has, has, has dropped down. And um, we hope the hope is that under the Biden administration, um, the SEC will replenish the number of, of, of active investigations. And I think finally, with the SEC, I would say um, one of their key programs has been the whistleblower program. Um, and after a, a decade after it was established, it's continued to flourish. Um, last year alone, um, the SEC had a very successful year. It awarded over 175 million. Um, to to I think it was 39 individuals um, and uh, and it issued the highest um, uh, award to a single whistleblower um, which was 114 million dollars uh, that's the that that's the largest uh, award to date so um, we expect that the SEC is going to continue to leverage this program as a source um, for for new investigations and also to um, to strengthen its enforcement efforts. So um, and hopefully that will encourage other agencies to um, to to adopt similar whistleblowing programs. Cezana, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on um, any of the topics you've raised in this podcast. Where could they go? Uh, please visit our website, uh, which is k2integrity.com um, or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. I hope our listeners will join us tomorrow for our next episode where we take up what companies can expect from the new administration and its priorities. Shnei I look forward to continuing the conversation.
Thank you for having me, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode in our five-part podcast series on Integrity Matters, Assessing the Corporate Compliance Climate in 2021, sponsored by K2 Integrity. For more information, you can check out the K2 Integrity website at www.k2integrity.com. I hope you'll join us again for another episode as we continue to explore many of the issues that corporate compliance professionals, practitioners, and corporate compliance functions face in 2021 and beyond. This podcast series has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.